Here's today's reminder. If your church is going to grow, you have to equip your leaders. But how do you do this? How do you empower the leaders at your church to lead well? Join us at equiplab.com backslash church leaders. We're here to equip your ministry team to thrive. Just go to equiplab.com backslash church leaders and join us today. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day. For the next few weeks, we will be rerunning some of our top podcast episodes as we prepare for our next series, which will explore how the church can facilitate true racial reconciliation. Now, race is a conversation that is often fraught with difficulty. Even where we recognize general trends and what different communities believe, people are complex and have differing perspectives within those communities. What's more, the topic of race and the related topics of racism, racial justice, and racial reconciliation are complex as well, certainly beyond what we'll be able to tackle in one podcast series. Nevertheless, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the ultimate source of truth, justice, healing, and redemption. Working from that foundation, we're inviting trusted ministry leaders into conversation with us so that we can listen to and learn from them on this important subject. We hope you'll join us for our podcast series on racial reconciliation, which we hope to release by the end of the month. And now, on to this week's guest. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to chat with Christine Kane this week. Christine is a minister who has spoken around the world, and with her husband, Nick, she has founded two life-changing, hope-proclaiming organizations, the A21 Campaign, which focuses on the global battle against human trafficking, and Propel Women, which seeks to activate women to fulfill their God-given passion, purpose, and potential. Christine is also a best-selling author, and her latest book, Unexpected, releases in May 2018. On this week's episode, Christine and I talk about how to overcome the unexpected doubts that may arise in our ministries. Christine also shares a very honest story of betrayal by a close friend, how she navigated through that pain, and how we can move beyond betrayal in our own ministries. We also discuss why we must avoid becoming comfortable in ministry and instead keep pressing on courageously into our calling. If you know Christine, you won't be surprised that this is a powerful and encouraging episode. So let's jump right into my conversation with Christine Kane. Christine, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm confident that our pastors and ministry leaders will be blessed by our conversation today. So thank you for being with us. Jason, it's my honor. Thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. Well, Christine, as ministers, um, we know that we are not somehow immune from the unexpected challenges that often arise in our lives. And, and probably all of us, at one time or another, we've looked around at where we find ourselves in ministry, and we've wrestled with questions like, did I make the right decision? Did I miss something along the way? Am I really making a difference? Can you share with us a time in your ministry when you struggled through some of these doubts and unexpected realities? Sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm giggling a little bit because I think um, 
I don't know that there was a time as much as I occasionally cycle through those moments, right. uh, to say the least. I think, um, you know, obviously together with my husband, we lead um, the A21 campaign uh, to help to abolish slavery everywhere and then also propel women and what we do with Equip and Empower. So I think there are times when uh, you're just really up in it. You're on the front lines, you're just laboring, you, you know, your nose is to the grind and you're wondering, is this thing fruitful? Is anything happening? Did I really hear from God? Did I make this up? Um, is it really supposed to be this hard? I think there are those times when you face unexpected uh, roadblocks, unexpected challenges, um, where you begin to wonder, did I even really hear God in the beginning? And I think um, that's the place where you've got to just actually understand God is with you in it. And you've got to continue uh, to be faithful in the midst of it. And then you kind of come up for breath and go, wow, God, you brought me through that. And we see, you know, another child is rescued or a trafficker is put in jail or another event is, you know, kind of filled to capacity and we didn't give up with Propel Women. And sometimes it's not till you're on the other side that you realize that God was with you in the middle, no matter what you were facing. Right. Now, that that's so good. Now, I imagine kind of statistically that there's probably a pastor, a minister listening right now that is going through one of these uh, discouraging times that is wrestling with some of those questions that, that we've just discussed. What encouragement would you give to that pastor on how to move through? Because once we're on the other side, it's easier to look back. But when yes. we're in the middle of it, you know, what, what encouragement do you have there? Yeah, I think it's very important who your counselors and friends are in the midst of trials and tribulation. I have a great group of people that sometimes when it just seems too dark for me um, and I can't see my way through or think my way through and at times even pray my way through. Um, I've got some people that I feel like they put me on the mat and they carry me to Jesus. They, they fight on my behalf. I think it's very important that you monitor the voices that you listen to when you're in the midst of the struggle and you're in the midst of the trial and you're in the midst of the challenge because often the voices that you listen to will determine your actions and reactions and responses and really will determine whether you quit in the middle of it or whether you're actually going to have the strength and courage to go through to the other side. That's great. And, and oftentimes I've found in my own ministry that those voices sometimes are the whispers of the enemy trying to defeat us and, and tear us down. Very <laughs> much. And right. I think in the middle of it, uh, you know, the enemy, he's got a interesting job profile. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren and he is gainfully employed doing what he does best. He loves to accuse us and, and tell us, you know, you're not good enough. You're not talented enough. You're not smart enough. Um, you, I think he loves to shame us. And even as leaders, and I'm talking about leaders on the forefront, the line of defense between us and the enemy is so thin at that point. I mean, you know, sometimes when you're at a different level of leadership or perhaps one of the parishioners, a lot of us, we're doing a lot of the fighting and the grunt work. And, and so there's a bit of a line of defense between the accusations of the enemy and it getting to the person's heart. But we are right on the front lines. And so unless you take 
proactive action to ensure that you guard your heart, you guard your mind, that you're putting the right stuff in, the right people around you, um, then it is easier to listen to the negativity of the enemy. And, you know, he's very real. We do not war against flesh and blood. And I think when you're on the front line, it's more important. Uh, you know, the scripture says, do not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And you just got to make a decision that I'm going to guard my mind and my heart, have the right people around me, pay attention to my spiritual disciplines, have the right input on the inside of me so that I can, through the strength of God, deflect the darts of the enemy and the lies of the enemy. That's so good, sister. Now, in your newest book, Unexpected, you talk about the incremental step-by-step faith that we must practice as we follow God's calling on our lives. Yes. Yeah. What What have you learned over the course of your ministry about this incremental faith when it comes to, you know, just continuing on faithfully in what God has called you to do? Sure. Yeah. I th- think I've definitely discovered that everything's going to take a lot longer than you think. Right. And um, <laughs> cost a whole lot more than you think and hurt a whole lot more than you think. So I think if you can nail that, you know, you're there. I love the scripture. You know, it tells us really that God builds line upon line, precept upon precept. And I really have discovered, you know, 30 years on in my Christian journey, uh, yes, we build a global anti-trafficking organization, you know, a global teaching uh, ministry and women's ministry. But the truth is that it was built one step at a time, one brick at a time. And, um, you know, even when the Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and to take them into the promised land, the Bible says he took them the long way around through the wilderness and little by little he gave them the land. And I think sometimes we end up being disappointed with God because we expect from God what he never promised. And we think because of the instant generation that we live in, that God's instantly going to take us into our promised land, that we are instantly going to fulfill our dreams, um, that it's going to be easy. And yet there's no promise of that in scripture because Uh, God prepares us while he prepares the thing that he's prepared for us. So it often comes the long way around because that's where our sanctification happens. That's where our our spiritual muscles are developed. That's where our character is developed. And so most things will happen the long way around and little by little because uh, we are nowhere near as ready for the things that we think we're ready for, (laughs) although we might, I I think, so God has to prepare us for the thing that he's already prepared for us. And I think that's what happens in the step-by-step process. You learn to trust God more. You learn, you know, your character is built, uh, your strength is built, your courage is built, and you're going to need strength, courage, character, and trust as you continue to possess, you know, the land that God has given you and continue to lead the people that God's given you to lead. And so, All the time, it's not that God has forgotten us. God is actually preparing us, and the preparation is in the long way around. Right, right. I I think back to my earlier days in ministry, and and I really struggled with with waiting on God. You know, I mean, I thought, come on, God, I'm all in. You know, just, you know, kick those doors open and let's just take it. (laughs) And uh, I realized as I matured and as I grew in my faith that it wasn't so much that I was waiting on God, but just as you said, it was during those times when God was actually preparing me because I was in no way ready um, for what he had in store for me. 
I think it's like that, you know, I've got a 16 year old daughter at the moment and she feels so ready to drive. I mean, she just wants to drive down the 405 in LA and, you know, kind <laughs> of like, and um, I'm like, you know what, how about we go online first and start doing your driver's ed? On, you know? right, right. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us. It's like, we want to go charge the hill. We feel like, you know, perhaps we've been in a, a heightened spiritual environment or a camp or a youth conference. And we're like, yes, you know, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham and off we go. And then you're, um, God's like, you know, how about we just start right here? And I, I think that's what I've discovered. I'm grateful for it now. Although I have to admit, I was probably frustrated many times uh, on the journey. There's no doubt about it. As ministers, many times we are rocked by unexpected events in our lives. And uh, maybe it's betrayal, maybe it's uh, some sort of disillusionment or or disappointment. And I know you touch on this in your newest book, Unexpected, but what encouragement do you have specifically for pastors who have been, their lives have been shaken by an unexpected event or unexpected news? Absolutely. You know, I think it's a great question, Jason, and I dedicated a whole chapter to something that happened to me recently recently. And um, I felt it would help a lot of people, very painful to write. But, um, you know, I've had so many different things in my life. I was uh, left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. You know, I was sexually abused for 12 years. I found out at 33 that I was adopted. I had a cancer diagnosis, you know, when I was in my late 40s. Uh, my mother died the night I was sort of celebrating my 50th birthday party just, you know, a, a year and a half ago. So I've had a lot of um, unexpected things happen. But the thing that in recent history has shaken me the most was just an unexpected betrayal um, from a close ministry friend. And I think that is really going to speak to a lot of uh, ministers and leaders because, you know, it's very challenging to remain thick skinned and tender hearted. And I'm a very loyal person and I love to build bridges across uh, denominations and um, with people in ministry. And I love doing life with people. And the thing is that, you know, 51 and a half years old, I was not expecting to really be hurt and betrayed in the way that I was by someone that I loved very, very dearly. And it really rocked me. I mean, you know, I'm not even sure that I thought something could rock me so dramatically in the way that this did. And it just came on the back of my mum's passing and just a few other personal disappointments. And I think if we're not careful in those moments, we can harden our heart and we can get stuck. And really, I wrote Unexpected to help people get unstuck and not stay stuck, but to choose to continue to move forward in faith. And I remember going to see a counselor because I just really couldn't reconcile what had happened. And I think David writes in the Psalms, he says, you know, if my enemies treated me this way, I could have handled it. But when it was, you know, a beloved friend that I used to go up into the house of the Lord with, I, I just don't know how to what to do with that, the pain of that, the betrayal of that. And I think anyone that's a minister that does life with people, that loves people, that shepherds people, that builds ministries with people, we always risk um, being betrayed, being hurt, being misunderstood. I mean, you know, you can insert whatever word there. And the temptation would be that we pull back and we withhold our love and our heart from people. And we could be going through the motions of ministry, but not really trusting or loving or serving people in, in, with a wholehearted um, heart. 
And I think I really faced that crossroads, you know, towards uh, the middle of last year where I thought, wow, and um, it was so deeply painful I, for, you know, for a few days. I didn't even know if I was going to, I, I, I felt kicked in the guts. I love how Eugene Peterson um, translates one of the facades that he says, when you've been kicked in the gut um, and can't catch your breath, God is right there. And I thought someone has to be very, very close to you to get close enough to kick you in the gut. And I think I had to really reflect on the story of Jesus and and obviously Judas and just the fact that Jesus still served him the Last Supper, knowing he would betray him. And Jesus still loved him totally to the end. And I think even, you know, when Jesus was resurrected and he said to the women, go and tell the disciples and Peter, I think had Judas not killed himself, that potentially Jesus would have said, go and tell Peter and Judas, you know, like make sure that you include both of them. And I thought, what would it be like to love someone so completely that when they betrayed you and hurt you and disappointed you and you were in the ministry together, what would it be like to have the love of Jesus that would still be able to forgive and stay tenderhearted in the midst of it? And I feel like I walked through a lot of that last year and that is reflected and that tone is reflected um, in the book. And that's why there's so much transparency, because I think so many of us get derailed ministry leaders because of uh, just the betrayal and disappointment um, of doing life with people. Right, right. And, and as I'm thinking about pastors who, who are going through that, you know, they've, they're, they're giving their lives um, yes. faithfully uh, day in and day out um, to their people. And then they experience, you know, a sense of betrayal. They find out that, you know, someone has been uh, talking poorly about them or someone just ups and leaves uh, their church or their ministry. And uh, how do we open our hearts in love like Jesus when we've been betrayed by people that we've given our lives for? Yeah, I think that's very powerful. Yeah, and it's a great question. In many ways, it is. Um, something that I took a long time to answer in unexpected because there is no quick fix anger. Right. Uh, sorry, and quick fix answer. Right. Um, it is a process. And I um, certainly most of 2017 was me walking through that process. I wish I could tell you, Jason, that I went to one counseling appointment and I was healed and it was <laughs> awesome. And I just began loving and trusting everyone the next day. Right. And so uh, that wouldn't reflect reality. Um, I went through so many different emotions and, um, you know, um, and so much pain. But what I have discovered, and I very much feel like I'm, I'm walking on the other side of it now, that it is a decision, a daily decision to choose to remain tenderhearted and to choose to keep letting people into your life. I think, I think ultimately, like forgiveness is a choice, moving on is a choice. You're going to have to do it sometimes for quite a long time before you feel like doing it. That That is so good, Christine. That's that's excellent. Now, one of the things I think that we come up against in ministry is fear, quite honestly, right? So we, we feel so. that God's called us to something or leading us in a particular way, but then we have that, you know, a little bit of fear as to how that might all work out or how others might receive that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how to process through that fear and to live into faith? Yeah, I think, again, it's a, it is a process. I'm glad you used that word because um, sometimes you've, everything that I've done in my life, like, you know, we, we have a global anti-trafficking organization that 14 offices in 12 countries. Well, the reality is 
you know, we're putting people that are part of the mafia in jail and on trial and rescuing girls out of extremely dangerous situations and working with governments and law enforcement. So it would be ridiculous if I didn't feel a healthy degree of fear. Right. Um, I, have, I have two daughters, a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. So, you know, the Bible tells us that we're to count the cost before we do something. So there, there, there's no doubt. But some things I think you've got to start you've just got to do it afraid until you may get to the point where you are no longer afraid. Now, whether that's as a ministry leader leading in an area you've never led in before, perhaps for some people it's speaking, writing, whatever it might be, counseling. I have found that some things I have just flat out had to start doing afraid until I was no longer afraid of doing it. And it eventually uh, grew that the first time I spoke, you know, there was a lot of fear and trepidation and I think even, you know, nowadays I have a daily television program, speak to millions of people around the world, but but I had to start that with fear. I, a couple of years ago, I started a master's program at Wheaton College in um, evangelism and leadership. Now, I've written best-selling books. I've got a global ministry, but I've got to say it, I was a bit fearful. I hadn't written a paper for 30 years, literally in university. And so uh, to go back and learn different programs and citations, and there was a bit of fear with that. But I felt that as I started it uh, with some fear and trepidation, um, I was able to overcome that and be able then to operate in faith. And really the things that I'm learning and um, the principles I'm able to put in practice are just opening up whole new realms of ministry for me. So I find that on the other side of your fear is great opportunities and great fruitfulness. And I don't think we can say, well, I'm at a certain age now, so I shouldn't be afraid. I think there comes a point where you go, okay, I am doing this afraid, but I've also got enough experience now to know that God is faithful. He is with me in the midst of it and that he is going to give me the strength and courage to get through this. I think our trust of God grows and our need for control uh, lessens the longer we're in relationship with God and the more extensive our leadership experience. And really, that's what the book Unexpected is all about. It's saying none of us, and especially us leaders, we are control freaks, ministry, we really are. And um, and I think God's like going, hey, you're not going to control me or put me in a box. What I want from my ministry leaders, I want them to trust me, not to control me. And I think that's why he promises to never leave us or forsake us. He's looking for us to trust him at greater levels as he leads us to places that are unexpected. And we will continue to go with him only to the degree, the degree that we trust him. If we're trying to control him, we're going to stop at some point. If we keep trusting him, then we're going to continue to go on this unexpected journey with Jesus. That's so good, sister. Now, uh, as you you mentioned in there, as, as you're talking, you said something uh, about how we never really arrive at an age or a stage in life where you know there, there isn't really going to be some sense of fear. Um, as we're looking out, you know, upon what it is that God might be calling us to do. So um, that that's just something that we, you know, it's, it's one of those pieces that stretches our faith. You know, I mean, it's in, and God uses that to help us grow. And as you're saying that, I was reminded of the story of Laura, the, uh, the volunteer um, yes. from the book. Can you talk to us a little bit about Laura and a little bit about her story? For sure. And here she is in her, her 50s when so many of her friends were, um, you know, thinking about retiring from a, a great kind of affluent community and just, but she just didn't feel like, 
that was what she was supposed to do. And I think she felt a little bit of the spirit of Caleb by saying, you know, like, I'm as strong now as I was then. There's still more to do. And to see her come into our office, I mean, she volunteered in the intern program where the college age, most of my interns, we have about 120 um, interns in our organisation. And she would have been the only one that was well, I'm going to say, you know, probably over 25, let alone <laughs> in her late 50s. Um, and she had to learn, like, overcome every, imagine the intimidation and the fear of walking into that and walking into a group of millennials when you're old enough to be everybody's mother in right. the room and learning about computers and learning about trafficking. Well, you know, here we are a few years later and she's on staff leading, um, you know, that global uh, internship program, and she's exactly what we needed, a mother to the team, and she has never, and I mean, she's learnt about all the technology and what to do, but I think she would have missed all of the blessing and all of the fruit in this latest season of life if she had have given over herself over to fear and intimidation. Yeah, I love that story so much out of the book, and, and it just kind of is one of those stories that just kind of puts a face to that that whole idea of risk and how there are times that God asks us to risk and asks us to step into the uncomfortable. In fact, that's where God does you know His best work in our lives when we're willing to be uncomfortable for the kingdom and just trust Him because that's that puts us in that place where we have to trust Him, right? Absolutely, and there's no choice. And I think sometimes um, as ministry leaders, uh, we actually have not been in a place of faith or trust in God for a long time. We can manage our schedules. We can control our environment. We've got the skill and the ability to do the things that we're doing. So when we started, it was full of faith and full of trust. But now we look, you know, we can actually move over into just looking for comfort and security and control rather than continuing to take risks and steps of faith and being out of our comfort zone. And I have found that this whole adventure of following Jesus has remained exciting to me because I'm constantly out of my comfort zone because I don't settle. I'm 51 and a half years old. I've got a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, been married for 22 years. And you know, this thing's not slowing down. We're just, and I'm constantly, whether out of my comfort zone, whether it's learning new things, starting a master's program, launching a new ministry, uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly placing myself in situations that I have to lean. If God doesn't come through, I say to my team all the time, I am so far out of the boat, I can't even see the boat anymore. So it's <laughs> like, I, I've just got to fix my eyes on Jesus because there's no boat to look back to. Right. That's so good. And that's a challenge, I think, for all of us to be to not get complacent and not get comfortable and not get in a place where we can just kind of manage things on our own, but be looking for those places where God is at work and where we have to step out in faith and trust. I love that, sister. Um, I just love your encouragement in your heart for for ministers as as you are one, sister, and uh, you've lived it. And I know that you've, uh, you know, early on in your ministry as you're traveling the uh, back roads across Australia and and, uh, just doing your thing to where God has brought you today has been just a a pretty dramatic and awesome story of of you taking risk and you trusting God. And uh, I, I just love that. It's a miracle. So thank you for all you guys do. I love outreach, and I'm just so grateful for all that you do. Thank you so much. Christine, what is the best way to um, 
connect with your ministries and then also learn more about your newest book, Unexpected? Well, I think, of course, you could get my book anywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, online. Um, and it's stay connected with me at, at Christine Kane or ChristineKane.com. I mean, it's I'm pretty easy to find. I'm out there everywhere. Awesome, sister. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being with us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much, Jason. Bless you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. Be sure to check out the other episodes in this series. You don't want to miss out on the full discussion. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our interviews. We'd appreciate it if you could take just a few moments to let us know your thoughts by leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform or sending an email to podcast at churchleaders.com. Your positive reviews and ratings help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.